Now, something else we believe is the words of this book. So you follow as I read a few of them from Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. I'll read through the, the first 15 verses. They read like this. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear." You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord your God is in your midst, is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. I want to start this morning with something that Steve Brown used to call a side road. It's kind of not, not the main heart of the text or the main road of the text. It's one of those branches that kind of branch off from the, from the center of the text. Um, and here it is. Guys, when I read that, did you hear anything that sounded familiar? I bet you did. Um, probably a lot of that sounded familiar too, or at least I, I hope it did. But especially that part, uh, uh, verse 5, verse 5, which says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Where did you hear that? Well, Jimmy, uh, you know, Jesus said it. Uh, you know, I, I, I've read that a couple of times. It's in the New Testament. Yes, it is. And Jesus did indeed say that. It's called the great commandment. <clears throat> and do you remember the, the, uh, the occasion the setting in which Jesus said that? It was toward the end of his ministry and, and he was approached by a man who, was, who asked him a question. It's, it's found in Matthew and Mark, but this is the Mark version and here's the question and I quote it. Uh, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus in the course of his ministry is asked by a scribe, which is the most important commandment of all? He asks, tell us, Jesus, what's numero uno? What's the heart of the matter? 
Now, folks, think about it. Don't you find it interesting or compelling or instructive or whatever that when Jesus was asked to summarize the heart of the matter, that he quotes something out of the Old Testament? Now, wait a minute, Dr. Young. I mean, are you saying to me that the, that the heart of the matter, uh, the very center of uh, Christianity can be found in the Old Testament? Well, according to Jesus, it can be. Gang, um, my, my point is that we Christians seem to know so much more about the New Testament than we do the Old Testament, and I think that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for several reasons, because it leaves us confused about lots of things. For instance, the sovereignty of God. One of the best places to learn about it is in the Old Testament. Or, or here's another example. If there's anything that seems to trip up God's people, it's this mistaken notion that Old Testament believers were saved differently than were New Testament believers. They weren't, ladies and gentlemen. Old Testament believers looked forward in faith to a coming Messiah. We New Testament believers, we look back in faith to a Messiah that's already come. Gang, never underestimate the value of the Old Testament. Jesus didn't. In fact, folks, uh, he uses it to explain, as I am pointing out, he uses the Old Testament to explain the heart of the matter. But that's not all he used it for. He used it to explain himself. Remember that scene in Luke 24 when the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes alongside? And what does he use to explain who he is? He uses the Old Testament. Gang, there are parts of the New Testament that you will never understand apart from a knowledge of the Old Testament. Like the book of Hebrews. You'll never understand the book of Hebrews apart from the Old Testament. And, and then one other thing, do you remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, I came not to abolish this. I came to fulfill it. All of those promises and types that are contained in the Old Testament, what is Jesus up to? He's up to fulfilling all of that stuff that you find in the Old Testament. That's the side road. Now let's get to the main road of the text. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. <clears throat> and I want you to, I want to start by showing you this. <clears throat> Look at chapter 4, verse 1 in Deuteronomy. 4, 1. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you to do them. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today. And now look at chapter 6, verse 1. This is the command. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Do you notice the similarity in those three? It has to do with statutes and rules. Three chapters. Right at the heart of the Old Testament story, actually even containing the, the heart of the matter, according to Jesus, all three of them begin with the words, or include the words, statutes.
statutes and rules. And from that section, Jesus draws the heart of the matter. A section that talks much about statutes and rules. You know, guys, I I think that if that had said statutes and testimonies, we'd have skipped right over it. We'd have never noticed it. But because it says statutes and rules, that word bugs us. It's a, it's, a, it's a rather shrill word, rules. Because for some folks, their understanding of grace doesn't include any provision for rules. Uh, I don't like a rule. That's why I came to grace is because, uh, you know, uh, I didn't have any rules. Uh, those rules, that's legalism. Okay, Dr. Young, now I get it. Now you're going to show us the fine print, huh? <laughs> the old bait and switch. Yeah, yeah, you get us in and then, and then you tell us about the rules later. Well, folks, uh, <clears throat> that whole discussion about statutes and rules is right here in the heart of the matter. Now, let's, let's sort this out this morning and get it clearly hopefully guys in our text this morning these these first 15 verses there is a lot said in there about a believer's duty to obey I, i think you can see it it's pretty clear yet it is this duty to obey when it is misunderstood that causes havoc now let's let's get this right this morning okay guys rules are at the heart of legalism yes and rules are at the heart of Christianity of grace yes but there is a huge difference you see in legalism folks legalism says obey this and you will live and every other major world religion turns obedience to the rules into something that is meritorious something that is remunerative i do this so that i can get that I obey with an eye towards a return on my investment of obedience. Gang, do you know why the Mormons pedal their bicycles all over the country? Do you know why Jehovah's Witnesses knock on so many doors? Do do you know why Muslims pray five times a day? They do those things so that they can put God in their debt. It's like the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. Everybody knows that parable, at least I hope you do. The parable of the prodigal son, you got the, you got the one wayward son who wants his money. He goes to the faraway country, he squanders it in riotous living, and then he comes back and his daddy throws him a party. And so uh, there's this other brother, the elder brother, he's outside and he won't come to the party. He ain't coming to the party. 
And so this father goes out and says, son, why don't you come on in? He says, I'm not coming in there. And he says, and of course I'm paraphrasing, he said, uh, you know, I've been serving you all these years. And you never gave me no party. I mean, where's my fattened calf? I kept those rules. And now I expect, I, I expect a big payoff from you. Folks, in modern Judaism, 21st century Judaism, the Ten Commandments, and in Hinduism, the Eightfold Path, and in Islam, the Five Pillars, all of those rules are to be kept with an eye towards the payoff. Now, Christianity in grand opposition to all of that, in contradistinction to all of that, Jesus speaks, Moses speaks, Paul speaks, the New Testament speaks, the Old Testament speaks. None of them ever try to hide or shortchange or ignore or downplay the rules and the statutes. But here, Right here in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, is the big difference. Look at it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. The big difference has to do with love guys legalists don't love god they love themselves and they try to use god to get what they really want which is a soul safety but for the christian every work of obedience is to flow out of a heart that is in love with the triune god i love him and then I obey him. Okay, Dr. Young, I, I, I get that. That's fairly simple, but um, here, here's what troubles me. How do I know that I have that kind of love in my heart? Well, gang, I would suggest it's fairly simple. Tell me, are you doing what you do in obedience because you think that then God will owe you. Guys, that's not love. That's a contract. That's self-service. That's self-salvation. It's an investment. It's wages. And you hope by, because of those wages you can earn God's favor. Gang, when true loving for God exists, it will manifest itself in a concern to obey the statutes and the rules. Well, how do you know that, Dr. Young? Well, 
Because Jesus said it. And he said it in a total of nine words. It's found in John 14. And here it is. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. For us slow learners, he repeats that in verse 21 of John 14. But let me quote it again. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, gang, which of those nine words do you not understand? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The love comes first. A love for the God who saw fit to save someone as undeserving as we are. But then, inevitably, comes this obedience that this text talks about. It's an obedience that doesn't create the love. It's an obedience that expresses it. And it's an obedience that knows that the obedience earns me nothing. Gang, there is no quid pro quo in Christianity, this for that. You know, I, I've been the pastor here for so long, I'm beginning to repeat my, my illustration, so forgive me. Indulge me in my dotage. But this is designed simply to illustrate, I hope. I love my wife, but I so enjoy seeing her cry. And I go out of my way to do things that I know will hurt her. Do any of you buy that? Folks, that whole, what I, that whole thing screams foul. That's illogical. That's what you call in, in, in philosophy, you call it a non sequitur. When the con conclusion does not follow the premise. And what was the premise? The premise was I love my wife. Okay, if I love my wife, what comes next? I will try to do things that please her. Gang, about the only place where we allow people to talk with such, to talk out of both sides of their mouth like that is when it comes in our relationship to God. Oh, I love God, but I love to do things that hurt him. Oh, I love God, but I just, you know, I get a kick out of seeing him fret. Oh, I love God, but I want to do things that, you know, that he doesn't like. Ladies and gentlemen, if nothing else, it's illogical. There's not a shred of logic to it. But we think that's okay. Because we spit out some premise. But the conclusion is a non sequitur. So, my point 
right here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, we are being told the difference between the obedience of a legalist and the obedience of a Christian. And the difference is found in loving the Lord your God. Just like Jesus said over here in the New Testament when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment of them all? Jesus says, love God. Now, let's go over that exchange, that New Testament exchange, one more time as we quit. A group of people, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, come up with a a scheme. The scheme is, we're going to go to Jesus and we're going to have some questions for him that are going to be so tough, so complicated, so outlandish, that it's going to make him look like a fool. (laughs) What a plan. So they go. Questioner number one steps forward and says, hey, Jesus, tell us this, Uh, you know, Uh, Are we supposed to pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus said, well, you know, you render to Caesar what Caesar is and what God. Ah. And so questioner number one kind of limps off in humiliation. Questioner number two steps forward. And he was a Sadducee, you know, and a Sadducee, they don't believe in the resurrection. So he says to Jesus, Jesus, there's this woman and she had seven husbands. Well, she had one husband and he died. But then he had six brothers and she married all six of them and they all six died. Now, in the resurrection, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, in the resurrection, who's going to be married to her? Jesus said, well, you got it all wrong. There's no marriage in the resurrection. Oh. And then comes question number three. Jesus, what is the foremost commandment of all? Foremost commandment of all. Well, here it is. Oh, let me just quote to you Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Because the foremost commandment of all can be found back there. And it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love for this God, the God who is altogether lovely, the God who exists in three persons. Love that God. And then obedience will take care of itself. It's a love for this God who granted me the gift of eternal life when I deserved the opposite. You know, guys, I have a few uh, mentors I guess on the top of the list is Martin Lloyd-Jones, but second to Martin Lloyd-Jones would be R.C. Sproul. I met him in the late 70s, it's a long story, but uh, he moved to Florida, we became buds. But uh, in the early stages of my being exposed to R.C., um, one of the first things I ever heard him say, one of the first things I ever heard him say was about this statement, it wasn't the Deuteronomy, it was the one that Jesus was using in Mark 12. 
But I remember him, he called it the great commandment. And I'd never heard that back in the late 70s. The great commandment. And then he looked at his audience and he said, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, the great commandment. And you know what? I haven't done that for 30 seconds in my entire life. And neither have I. And neither have you. So ladies and gentlemen, do you know what that makes us? If that's the great commandment, and we haven't kept it for 30 seconds, then you know what we are? We're the great offenders. We're the great violators. You know what we need? We need a savior. There's only one of those. And he's the one who said the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your might. Our Father, would you remind us that those in love with you are the ones who are meticulous and eager to obey. Not because our obedience earns us one silly thing, but it's an obedience that expresses how grateful we are and how much we love the God who saved people as undeserving as we. So Father, if you brought people here this morning who have not yet met this Savior of ours, show them. Show them that they too have not kept the great commandment and that as a great violator what they need is the great Savior who is Christ Jesus the Lord. Our Father broadcast that message from pole to pole and pour out your spirit in such a way that men's eyes would be open to see the great beauty of Christ and him crucified. And we pray in his name. Amen.